people up front have a cup of coffee? No, <laughs> we do it all the time. As I've said it before in this class, if you do, okay. And it doesn't matter, it's just, I just wanted to know. <laughs> how about how about that I bring my notepad in, in a new way? I started doing something since I lost my religion, and started, <clears throat> I got a notepad. I hope you didn't lose it. Now I got it right here. Does it offend anybody that I don't have my my folder in my nice new folder? Or your Bible? Or, well, and, I'm actually offended it's not on digital. You know. <laughs> uh, the teachers in this class have taught us how to choose not to be offended. Yes. <laughs> so the question I'm just, is, I'm just testing. Have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> the question is. So thank you, thank you, sis. Thank you, thank you. What was so neat was that it was just a confirmation of a lot of stuff the Lord's been telling us already. So thank you for listening because it was listening. awesome. Um, and I'm kind of speechless actually because we continue to receive confirmations. We've been away for six years. Uh, we grew up here. And those of you who don't know, this is, our, this is where we came up. Um, here served for like a long time um, over on Clayton Road. To just grew up here, grew up down the street. And so it's a, it definitely is coming home today um, and uh, has been a few times before. And um, so six years of, and, and quite frankly, it's been a hard six years. We've been working hard and swinging the sword up and then way up in the Northwest. Anybody know where Bremerton, Washington is? Yes. Yeah, a couple of you have been there. Yeah, and it's, it's up there. It's up there and uh, um, and I don't, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I can say it's probably the six toughest years of ministry in our 40 years of doing our work that we've ever experienced. And, uh, and God showed his faithfulness. We just kept on, kept on swinging the sword. Didn't know what else to do. You keep on working. And sometimes you run into valleys. It's dark. You run into dark valleys. It's dark. And if you don't know dark, then that means you don't know dark. And those valleys are tough to walk through. And, uh, and we've we've seen, but God God is so faithful that He um, through the years, through the decades, He helped us to develop muscle, uh, muscle spiritual muscles, I would say, uh, relational muscles, physical strength, resilience. That's only by His Spirit, only by His grace, that it's, we've been able to to walk through the years. And we wouldn't have been able to endure, but by His grace, He just kind of walked us through. And then He finally confirmed, um, Marianne had no clue. Um, I'm in a, uh, a service. Um, uh, we we're in a service uh, pre-Christmas, and he uh, uh, we we're pretty full of worship. Very wonderful, very beautiful, and uh, the the music. And don't you know this is a, this will sound cryptic, and some of you may not believe it. All I can do is tell you it happened. I'm not a liar. Not given to lying. In fact. Historically, I've kind of got myself in trouble in speaking up too much, and and so like I said, like I said, I lost my religion. So this is a gentle thing. So so uh, um, God was speaking to my heart. The music in this very full environment of worship, and and several thousand people. So it was pretty full. Pretty volume was up. The music faded. I'm standing there next to my beauty, and the music fades. I can still hear it, but it's like somebody turned the volume down. And you just think about it. Um, believe it or not, that's all I can tell you. And he spoke to my heart what Marianne said. 
And I, I don't even think I told you guys yet. I don't think we, we discussed it. We had some dialogue, but we weren't sure at that, at that point. And my father, my dad, he said, time to go home. Come home. He said, come home. He said, I promised to you many years ago that I'd care for you. And he did. Just as he was speaking to me that moment, he reminded me in that same whisper, Holy Spirit whisper, to come home. It was the same thing I heard 35 years, however many years we, I don't even know when we accepted Christ, 79, 78. And, and, and he said, he at that time said, I will care for you. And he said, did I not promise you that I would care for you? And then at another time, he spoke to us, said, I will protect you. He said, did I not promise that I would protect you? Only trust in me. There was another time he told us that with the same whisper. And then he ended with, come home. And he meant the region. He meant this whole area. He meant come back to where our people are. And then he gave us uh, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13. And he starts Jeremiah 10, 9, 29, 10. He, he, said, he says, come home. And then he talks about seeking him and you'll find him and you'll seek him with all your heart. If you seek him with all your heart, I'll be found by you. We were finding him. We were finding him. And he ends with verse 13 in the New Living Translation, by the way. Come home. I'm bringing you home again. So we were, have been receiving confirmations the latest five minutes ago um, <laughs> about coming home. So we're on our way home after many years of, of working in the area and moving down where our house is getting ready to go on the market up north. And So we're coming down uh, to do some work. Getting back to work, and it's a little different. It's yeah. a little different, I tell you. Uh, yes, ma'am. It was amazing that we made the decision, and then a week later, we were contacted by a very large church to come in and work with our pastoral marriages. Their lead, their lead staff. Their lead staff. They have campuses. 20 pastors on staff for us to work with them, and then they have a network of churches that they oversee and to work with all of the pastors in the network churches. There are 40 network churches in the western United States in this network and God has said go get them yeah, and go help them Jesus. and each one of those churches have pastoral staff and so we don't even know uh, let's not get lost in the number we don't even know yeah. and so that's just starting and God has shown himself faithful we had no idea we um I'm still floored I I don't even I share with Pastor Joe I don't I don't even know what to say I don't I'm, I'm up here I got my I've got my notes and I still don't know what to say we're floored. I just know we're called to love. We're called to love. That's it. We're called to love his people. And called to love our leaders are alone. Many people don't even know how alone our leaders are, our church leaders. Mm -hmm. Many don't even know how many have, have crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. just, just, I mean, every day, every week, church doors are closing. Every week, pastors are leaving the ministry. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Church doors are closing, like as in locked and being sold. And, and, and whatever and and so God God says go help go love he's been telling us that for how many years and it's been many many years many years and uh, started a whole long time ago and uh, uh, we've been chipping away and grinding away and now God says okay time to open that you've had your training you've gone through your apprenticeship it's uh, you've had your Caleb journey the other word he gave to us was Caleb's journey. Now I'm not 85. Um, sometimes I feel like it, 
but um, but or uh, but but Caleb, what did Caleb say? And that's the scripture he gave us. That's right. Give me my gave, I've got give him my mountain. Mm-hmm. I've got as much energy to fight that's as right. as that's when right. I was forty years that's old. Right. I got that. We got awesome. that together. Awesome. So there's a lot of work being to be done, and we've got to go help our leaders because they're going to have impact on the people in their bodies that's and their right. communities. Right. So as that healthy as they are, they're, they how yes. they minister to their people, yes. not through religion, not through mm-hmm. not through just telling them how to live. But not only to do it, do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what the the people we're working with. They're saying we've done everything we can do. We know how to build a church. We have ten thousand people here, and we have like five six campuses around the Bay Area. But you know what? We don't know how to do relationships. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about incredible humility, incredible authenticity coming from the top. Mm-hmm. And it's a shift. It's a major shift in the spirit realm in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So you'll see. Amen. You're gonna see. Now, I would say that'll leak right on through. I don't know what's going on here. I have no idea. Um, but it's just going to manifest itself uh-huh. through the region. And how it's going to look, I don't know. But get ready for real. If you're not ready for real, find a place where you can be, like Pastor said today, to be unreal. There's plenty out there. But I, And I'm not saying you haven't been here. I'm just saying, get ready. Get ready. So is that it? Yeah. So thank you for listening. Those 40, 40 churches are real, and the, the other 20 pastors, and they have children, and they have staffs, because all the different campuses. Um, please pray, because I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I just know they said, would you come and help? And sure. Now we got to figure out, we got to be, a, we have to be Nehemiah and go in fasting and prayer at a whole other level, and get a design, and get a, do a work. Because I, I, for once, I can just say, I, I don't know what to do. So please pray that we have the wisdom and discernment on what to do. Would you hope you put us on your list? Okay, we got to get going here. Yes. And quick teaching. Quick teach. Yeah. Speed talk. Speed talk. But we want you. We want you to have an experience. You know. And thank you for the time. Thank you. Thank you. That this means a lot. Thank you so much. I was. I'm not. We, was, we weren't expecting this time, and just kind of a God moment. So thank you for listening to that. Um, this is actually our per- first public announcement of. Mm-hmm. Um, or sharing, I should say sharing, um, of what's going on. So we want to talk to you about love today. Um, we had a thing set up. I texted Ronnie the other day. Hey, we're coming in. Going to do A, B, C, D. I thought I had it going on Tuesday or Monday or whatever it was. And uh, Paulette and I were talking, and I was, I'm just flapping away. I've got this notes. I had, my, I had my notebook, my official notebook. And it was it was really sounding good, and I was really impressed with what that thing was. Said, "Hey, Ron, how's this sound?" Bop, 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 bop. Awesome. And then Paulette, in her gentle style, comes to me. I think it was Wednesday, and she says, "You know, I think we're supposed to talk about being called to love." And the Holy Spirit, like you know, you know, he has a way of talking to me. Like I said a few minutes ago, and Paulette said that, and I just yes. And that's what we do. We just love people best we can by His Spirit, by His grace, and by His direction. So we want to talk to you about that. We want to talk to you about being called to love. All right, we want to give credit to our mentors, uh, the Fergusons down in the Great Commandment Ministries. They wrote a book not too long ago. You guys know about it. It's called Called to Love. It was called To Love. And this is, we're talking about called T.O. Love. So, so we're 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 we want to we'll just share a couple thoughts here. We want to, but we want to start with a story first. Jesus always 
told stories, did he not? I think I think he was pretty good at that. And so we want to we want to share a story that most of you know, or probably everybody in the room knows, about um, that that Good Samaritan. And I wish they would you know edit the Bibles, not take out scripture, but the subheadings. We all know that men put those in, right? Uh, men put subheadings in. That's not I'm not changing scripture when I say this. I wish they'd say the hated Samaritan, not the Good Samaritan. Because that, that's the miracle of this whole story. Mm-hmm. So, so we want to share a little bit about that. So they've got this guy. Just, just review for a second. We have this guy tooling down the road. He's Jew. And, he, and if you just put yourself in his shoes. You're walking down Bancroft and 90th in Oakland, where we used to live and minister. You just think about it. Just think about it. Where 50 Cent comes from. All that, and I used to go in the corner to condemn hotels down there, and we'd take food and clothing to the prostitutes, and their pimps were with their cars over there in the corner, and we, we, they didn't bother us. And we're just loving on their girls. They never got bothered. We had a, a, a holy, holy protection. So put yourself in the in in the shoes of somebody walking at nighttime down a 90th and Bancroft or a dangerous street that you know that you would not walk down. You would not walk with anybody, much less alone. So he's walking, he's walking down, and and imagine you're walking down, and these guys jump you and beat you up pretty good. They stomp you, they kick your teeth out. And if you've never been beat up, if you've never been Run into some characters that were that were brutal. That hurts really bad. It hurts bad. And uh-huh. stomped and beat uh-huh. and and uh, uh-huh. left for dead. Uh-huh. In the blood, in the dirt. There you are. Imagine, there you are. And and then if you look at Luke 10, it's all in here. I'm paraphrasing all over the place because of time. So can I? Can, do you mind if I paraphrase? Okay. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. And look this up. Write it down. If something sounds funny, look it up, email me, and correct me. All right? I'm, I'm open to that. Um, but I think it's pretty accurate, but you, you be the judge on that. So, so the, 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 there's a story, but it started with a Pharisee talking to Jesus about, you know, uh, you know how, do, how, do we, how do we really serve him, love him? What's, what's the greatest command? What do we need to be doing here? And, and God says, love, love God. Love others as yourself, and he, this guy, you know, I I feel for him. We 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 really, I know God's done a miracle in my heart because I used to criticize Pharisees all the time. Said the Pharisee that I was, and 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 this this guy, uh, he's he's really kind of justifying himself. He really is. He's looking for a way, and I thought my heart is broken for the Pharisees of the world and the the religious people. Who, who kind of trying to find their own way. They want to do their own thing. They want to figure out how to do this thing without compromising their power, their authority. In today's age, especially in California, to be able to just kind of, just wait a minute, I, I, um, to, to, to deal with our fears and our, our conflicts, this is a rough world right now. So I think this is a very serious moment here. So this Pharisee, um, you know, he said, as yourself. Jesus says, as yourself, right? He says, as yourself. Put yourself in his shoes. This guy, you know, this, this Pharisee, he, we don't know this, his backstory. Did he grow up and was told how to believe and what to, how to behave? 
like the American church. Put yourself in the church, your, your church growing up, if you grew up in the church. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. Then you're faithful. If you do it right. That's if you do it right. So maybe the guy that was putting Jesus to the test, he thought, maybe he was afraid. Have you ever thought about that? That the Lord of the universe, with the anointing just oozing off of him into the streets wherever he went, the power of God around him, every Pharisee that, he, that ran into him, do we not think that they felt his power? And how afraid they may have been? How frightened they may have been, must have been, because they were going to lose their power. They were going to lose everything that they learned to believe. We don't know how they, what the story is, really. So what, is, what does fear do? What does anxiety do to you? Put yourself in the Pharisee's shoes. What does, fear, what, is, what does fear and anxiety do to us? It causes us to try to control our environment and our life. It causes us to manipulate to get our way. And we become selfish takers. And that's what the Pharisees had to do. They weren't going to give up their political power and their money, status, all that. How about you? Are you willing to ask hard questions, hear the answers that are tough from Jesus sometimes, and give up your own personal power and your rights and your claim to your life? That guy didn't know what to do. And then Jesus had the audacity to talk him through a story. And we have this this guy getting beat up. And he starts talking, and, he, and one of the first things he says, he, he, he talks about the Pharisee coming by. I'm just going to talk about the Pharisee, not the Levite. And he walked on by. We all know that. And he kept his distance. He got, got out of there. You know, the unclean thing? We all know that. But man, how often put yourself in his shoes, the Pharisee's shoes, in the story. I wonder, I wonder, um, how often we walk, and you, those of you who've been with us for a while, you've heard me say this. I'll continue saying it. How often do we walk through our own living room at our house, in our home? How often do we walk down the hallways of our church? How often do we sit in a sanctuary, and we're so busy doing whatever it is we're doing, and getting on with our thing because of our identity being in us, our identity being in us, not the love of Jesus. And how often do we walk right on by somebody, a dear brother or sister, or somebody we don't like, the harder thing? Because in this case, in this story, you know, the Samaritan, the hated Samaritan came over to the guy who condemns him. How many people do you come across on your job or so or wherever? And you've heard words, you've been hurt, and you love them anyway. You pray for them, you love them. How, how about you? If you place yourself in the Samaritan shoes, or yeah, the Samaritan shoes, how about you? What do you do? And then what did he do? What did he do? He got down in the dirt with this guy. I had, there had to be blood in the story. It's a story. It's not real life. It's a, it's a story. But if somebody's beat to a pulp, there's blood. And there's, there's dirt. Nasty. And this guy, the way I see it, he picks this guy up and he had all that blood and dirt on him. Put him on his donkey. Now Johnny the donkey has got blood and dirt on him. Maybe all of his baggage now. Suitcases. Put yourself in his shoes, this Good Samaritan shoes. 
Put yourself in the Pharisee's shoes. Put yourself, imagine you're the, the, the good Samaritan or the hated Samaritan. Then he goes to, you know, he goes, pays the price, right? Now, did he get on his donkey and start riding to his destination? What did he do? Did he, he didn't leave that night, did he? Because it says in the morning. In the morning, I'll be, I'll be back, take care of him. So what is love? What is this love thing? This is where I'm going to the story of the good or the hated Samaritan, the good Samaritan first, is because you're talking about an incredible demonstration of love that to me in Luke chapter 10 is, there's several that Jesus demonstrated, but this is in my mind, in my book, because there's so many of us walking around wounded, we've been kicked pretty hard by life, and we feel alone, and who is there? For many of us, there's somebody there. For many of us, I know the last six years, I've got brothers and sisters who were there. That's why we're able to stand here, and now God is unleashing an authority and a power that we've never experienced before because of people in our lives. God using and working through people. Well, this guy hung out. And then the last thing he said, and then I want to step aside. Last thing Jesus said, remember what he said to the Pharisee? Anybody remember? What did he say? Last thing he said to the Pharisee in this little story, because a Samaritan took care, he sacrificed, he gave himself up to people who hated him. And he loved them, but he loved him paid the price for him, laid his own life down. Type of Christ? Possible? Laid his own life down. Now he turned to the Pharisee and said, you know, go, go and do likewise. Right? He said, go do, go do this. Now we're going to talk about what that really means. What does go and do likewise really mean to you? So I'm asking you to put yourself in the Pharisee's shoes, as Paulette's going to share, in the Samaritan shoes or how about your own shoes as you're walking around and do you dismiss and are you distant from your spouse your friend they're hurting and it's a lot easier to just kind of be religious and say the right words hoping they'll believe and behave right so you feel better is that too tough you hearing it is this landing because I'm basically insecure so you know I need to know it's landing so you're up there, young lady. So as, as we were talking about this, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what gets in my way? What gets in my way of being the Samaritan when I should? And growing up, I thought I had to perform to be enough Well, um, for a long time. I had thought I had to perform to be enough, you know, to be a good Christian. Um, to me, it kind of meant, well, just don't sin and do more, you know? Um, and then when I failed, I'd feel shame and condemnation. I beat myself up over it. I'm just not doing it right. I'm just, I just can't get this. There must be something wrong with me. I must be broken. Um, I didn't feel loved and therefore I had a hard time giving love. If I don't know how much God loves me, if I absolutely don't know how much God loves me, I'm going to have a really hard time loving others. I'm going to look at them and think, they're going to reject me. They're going to think what I say is nothing. You know, all the stuff that I would think about God's love for me, I would think about other people too. Growing up, I lived in a really critical home and um, just felt like there was nothing, I could do nothing right. And then if something went wrong, it was my fault. 
So um, here I'm living that. So I need to be better. I need to do better. I need to do more in order to be loved and cared about. I'm not, I'm just not good enough just like I am. And then I came to Christ and kind of, we attended a couple of churches that were kind of legalistic, more legalistic. And um, the message, it kind of carried that message over. And um, what it kind of said was, um, it's what you do that matters. If you're involved and present every time the church doors are open, you're a good Christian. The more you do, the more faithful you are, um, was what the, what was important. You know, well, what can you do? Can you work with kids? Can you work with youth? Um, can you do this? Can you do that? And the more you're involved, if the church is open seven days a week and I'm there seven days a week, I'm a really good Christian, but you miss a few days. Ah, you must be backsliding. And what it said to me was that the more you do and the more faithful you were, that was what was important. To love and be loved was really not a part of that equation. I didn't really learn right away just to feel loved and to love others. And that was, that was difficult. Um, I didn't feel God could really love me and therefore I had a lot of trouble loving others. And yet, 1 John 4.19 says, our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrates to us. And I had to come to terms with that. I had to really work on me knowing who God is and how much he absolutely adores me. I'm his favorite. I don't know about you guys, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> I'm his favorite. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so John 15:14 says, "If you love me, you'll keep my commandments." To many of you, like me, heard that verse, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." Anybody think that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the finger too, the big finger, God's big finger. When you look at that verse through the filter of shame and moralism like I did, it conveys that you have to perform and do better, keep enough commitments to be faithful. It can also convey shame that if I can't maintain that enough, God's going to reject me. So here I am performing to try to get to be enough. The small word if in that verse in the original language is really important because what it actually means is because. And what it's really saying is because you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because you love me. Simple little word. It's because I love him that I want to do the right thing. I want to follow his word, not because I'm performing, not for any other reason is that I love him. He loves me. It kind of changes everything when we just change that one little word. Mm -hmm. No, John 15, <clears throat> it's pretty clear. 
and no greater love than this than he who lays his life down for his friend. And we know Jesus was speaking about himself, of course, but he's also, again, everything he said and did was for us to live today. Hebrews 13.8 says what? Jesus Christ is the same. So that's for us today. No greater love. What does this love thing mean? Paulette nailed it. And she's taught me a lot the last two years. You men who are not listening to your wives and the counsel they want to give you because they've been in prayer and the word, start listening. It'll shift everything. It'll change everything. And the church in America is still having a hard time with that. Just as the church in America is still having a hard time with racism, still having a hard time with women having a voice and, and walking in authority. Like, dang, deaconesses in a church? Come on. No, that can't be happening. I'm leaving. It's happening. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. Listen, listen. But this love thing, this love thing, that... This, this, it, how, how do we do this? How do we really lay our lives down? You know already. You know already. The pa- pastor, pastor, Pastor John said it. He said it in, in Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He nailed it. So what's the motivation of your heart when you're doing whatever you're doing in your relationships? If you generally, if you're, if you're about you, you're going to take from that relationship, and you're going to be found out. You're going to be exposed in time. You won't sleep well. You won't rest well. But when you love and lay yourself down for, and I'm not saying just be there seven days a week. Somebody says be in church seven days a week. Somebody's losing out somewhere. So be careful with this. So how do we love? We have just a few minutes to talk about this love thing. How do we really love? We lay our lives down. It's no secret. But you have to have a PhD to figure that one out. Do you mean I have to, like, kill myself? No, that would be, like, dumb. No. That, 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 yeah, that, that, yeah, that wouldn't work. So so what we want to do is have you have a, have a moment of just, you know, you know, what, you know, what do you understand about you in this good Samaritan, hated Samaritan, or the Pharisee, Paulette's testimony, your testimony. What, what do we do with this love thing? What does it really mean? Well, see, freely I've received God's love. Freely I received God's love, 1979. I think that's what it was. Free, and we're on track. We, we just, we're in our 42nd year in terms of the work we do, that we do. And, and in Christ, just in our 40th year. Strange that Caleb message is there in our 40th year we're moving into our probably our last mountain we got a good we got a good time to go um yeah there you go we finished strong he's our he he is our identity he his love is our he we receive that freely he is our identity if you don't have if you don't get a hold of that you won't love well you'll try to love you'll try to look for definitions in the bible even you look okay how do i love You'll find all kinds of believe right definitions. But if you don't understand your love is in Jesus loving you, praying for you 24-7 to throw. Holy Spirit, as Romans 8 says, for starters, he lives inside of you. You're his temple. He doesn't make junk stuff. 
and if the Holy Spirit's inside of you, he's all the way, because his word is sharper than a two-edged sword, correct? Mm -hmm. And he's all the way down into your bone and marrow, the Holy Spirit is. And what is the bone and marrow? What is the marrow for? It's regenerative. And he's from deep inside of you, pouring his love into you. If you don't get, and that's your identity. And then you can give out. But if you're walking around with your own identity, that's got to be put on the altar of God right. and right. hacked up yep. and confessed. What other kind of things are you walking around with that you have your own altar that keeps you from experiencing God's love? That keeps you from experiencing his love. Because if you have your own altar, whatever it is, you name it, food, TV, pornography, eating, I just said food, um, <laughs> working too much, alcohol, criticism, gossip, bad-mouthing, spiritualism, where you, you think you've got it going on, nobody else does, you know, that, that whole thing. You know, you experience his identity and everything, all those things that you have for your own altar, King Hezekiah tore up, that his dad built up for 16 years. And I think Hezekiah took it apart 16 in 16 days. So you don't have to wait forever for the growth. Yeah. So, so what's your identity? That's how you'll love. Where do you hang your hat in terms of your identity? It's really crucial. So now we want you to experience this a little bit. Experience some love in a different sort of a way. Maybe, maybe self-evaluate. Where, where do you stand when it comes to pain? We're going to talk for a second when it comes to build up in your own life. That altar thing was for free. That, yeah, it was. That was awesome. That wasn't in my, that wasn't in my scratch. <laughs> that wasn't in this chapter, by the way, sister. That's a chapter right there. All right. By the way. I'm looking for the book. Okay. So, so we're going to talk about what love is not for a second and have you share it. All right, and uh, share with one another. And Paul, let's go, go from here. Okay. So this is a devotional. I absolutely, my absolute favorite. It's called Trust for Today by Trueface. Um, it's a year with the Trueface team. Absolutely. I mean, just one page, and it just gets me every time. Every time I read it. That means it just, gets me. It's just a reminder, you know, of, of how much I'm loved and cared about, which I need. <clears throat> so love is not. Love is not passion, attraction, or what most love songs claim it to be. Love is not about getting something to make your life work. Love is not clutching or possessing. It's never revocable. Love does not cease to exist when it is discarded. Love is not merely emotion or poetic words on a page. Love is not fantasy. Love is not kindling memory of one who, no, who is no longer yours. Love is not attempting to change another to become like you. Love is not appeased to keep peace or ignoring, ignoring to avoid conflict. Love is not static, guaranteed to stay warm. Love is not an energy a couple creates. Love is not repeatable by revisiting where you once knew it. Love is not manufactured by setting, location, or any human. It is given as a gift by God who names himself love. Names himself love. Names himself love. So the question is, I want you to think of a time when you felt unloved. What did it feel like? Think about a time growing up, not like yesterday and 
you know, your spouse is sitting right there next to you and you're going to blast them with it. last night. Yeah. We're not doing that. No. Um, so how to feel? What? Time to share. What? Be a little vulnerable here. What, what does it feel like, right? We're, we're talking about you. You guys are the guys, you're the woman or the man who's on the side of the road who's beat up. You, got, you have a beat up memory in here. You got something going on here. The committee's working. Yeah. Revisits way too often. Yeah. Remember a time. I know when, uh, when my grandmother died, it was really hard because I grew up my she raised me mostly because my mom left and my dad was fairly abusive, so I was my home for a lot. But when my grandmother died, she was dead. No one left. And my dad is still alive, but he still doesn't love anyone besides himself. And I have my husband, but <laughs> like in my mind, you know, that was really difficult for me because I felt like there was no family left. And God has since showed me that that difference of course but yeah. but we felt very alone very, very alone very, very alone. yeah so sorry and there's still some pain kind of kind of in that little compartment there I miss sure you do <laughs> sure you do and that's a and that and that's a good thing right yeah. and yet there's still some pain around the residual around it so sorry it's hurt Bail? thank you thank you I remember I hadn't seen my uh, mom and dad for quite a few years. We lived seven states away, and uh, they said they were coming out to you know see you know, my family and you know three children and whatever. So they were going to spend a week, and they got there uh, one night, and after like one o'clock the next day, they said, "Well, we got to go now. Bye." Mm -hmm. And I just felt mm. abandoned. I was just concerned. Mm -hmm. like, wow, they just promised I'll be with your mom. And it, it told me that for a while. Rejection hurts real bad. It doesn't go away easily. So you're getting to know some people. Two people share. I don't know if that's been shared here or not ever before. Uh, maybe in a small group or something. Maybe it has. But we got two people, their hearts are known. What are you going to do with that? Tell me the rest of us. What are we going to do with that as a family? Mm -hmm. Knowing that information. Because we're talking about abandonment. We're talking about a lot of pain. We're talking about rejection. That doesn't just go away because we're walking with God. I love what Pastor said earlier today. The things around. So thank you for having the bravery to speak. Yes. And I want to add too, <laughs> what helps to heal that hurt is comfort. It's not, and you guys, if you've done intimate encounters at all, you know healthy emotional responding. That's where healthy emotional responding comes in. Listening, offering comfort, not fixing, not all that other stuff. So that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out. <laughs> I'm gonna just poke you a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you do. That's what we do in this room, is learn 
to be there for somebody just to listen many times. We can't fix, I can't fix it. I can't make the parents stay longer or the grandma not die, but I can listen and say, I'm so sorry that, that it hurt. it does hurt. I'm so sorry you walked through that and it, and it's still painful. That, that heals. We, it, our hearts hurt for you because we care for you. So, so we want to um, take this moment and just kind of go a little bit further. The idea is, I mean, Romans 12, 15 says weep because they weep. It doesn't say lecture those who weep. It doesn't say, come on, you need, you're done grieving. It's been three months. You need to get on with it. You know, um, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't advise. It doesn't, doesn't criticize. It doesn't withdraw. And that's what you're talking about. We come close and just weep. I mean, one of the greatest things that ever, one of the most painful parts for my life and most, most seasons, uh, probably the most painful is when I thought I was going to lose Pauline. And I'm talking about cancer. And you didn't know. It was the first day you were still out. Came home to get a real fast shower and figure out where the kids were. <laughs> get some food and get back to, to bedside stuff. And that's just that's just what it was, right? And I'll never I'll never forget how painful that was and how alone I felt. And I've shared that story in a couple of circles before. But I'll never forget that pain. And and that that showed me some God showed me his love but I tell you what and he showed up probably the most painful alone time that time in the house I was just there trying to figure it out and by your bedside and um, probably the most the most alone I've ever felt and so um, did I feel unloved yeah because I got calls and got spiritual advice from several people bedside and calls and uh, lectured spiritually. Well, how my faith shift? Kind of what Pastor said today. God told me to tell you that those conversations didn't go very well if you knew me then. <laughs> um, and I'm not proud of it. I'm kind of regret it. But um, that, that you're talking about alone and pain and unloved for a minute. God was faithful, but who was there? Ready for the second part? Yep. Okay. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Before we go, and then we'll go to the second part. Anybody else have a story? You felt unloved. You believed, and we're actually we're unloved. When I first met my in-laws, and I went to their house, and everyone was talking and having a conversation, and I guess that's the difference between alone and lonely, because I wasn't alone because there were many people in the room but it was lonely because no one was talking to me. And I was just sitting there, you know, no one engaged me. And my husband was over there, he wasn't paying attention, you know, because he knew how his family was because, but it was like a three-year-old little girl. I was sitting by myself and she came and started talking to me. And then the whole night I'm having a conversation with the three-year-old, you know, <laughs> getting to know her and talking to her. And she was talking to me, but I just remember that time, like, I felt so alone at that time, mm. even though people were in the room. Must have been really painful. Because yeah, you want to be accepted and probably feeling a little rejected. I'm so sorry. It's a lot easier to talk about good love rather than not being loved. Mm -hmm. you know, we could be here for another two hours. If we just sat here and just mm -hmm. stared at you. <laughs> you know, you, you were handcuffed to your chair, and anchored down until you shared. 
So we're going to, because time's running, um, we're going to shift to what, it, what is it to do love? And we all know the scripture, but Paulette has a cool paraphrase for, for uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8. Love is. Love champions another. Love stays almost embarrassingly after all others have left. Love earns a way in to be trusted, to enter a wound or a limitation. Love pulls closer when another fails. Love stands against what threatens to harm. Love is trustworthy when another finally trusts you with their worst. Love gives the benefit of the doubt when there's plenty to doubt. Love gives plenty of room to fail. Love stands boldly next to the outcast. Love is willing to sit on a stoop with an infectiously sick, with the infectiously sick, risking to contact their disease. Love is able to make laughter safe. Love is able to handle sin. Love alone is able to do that. Love takes the hit. Love is willing to give up being right in order to do right. I want to say that again. Love is willing to give up being right in order to do right. Love is impossible to do independently. Love is what God has chosen to reveal in you. In each one of us. So the question is now, think of a time when you really felt loved. What did that feel like? Gwen. Gwen. Um, I was living in Texas, taking care of my mom and dad. My dad died, and my mom had all All of my children and their spouses uh, flew to Texas and packed me up and moved me to California. That's love. Amen. Yay. Show up love. Wow, that's Show amazing love. Hmm. We rejoice see. with you. Mm -hmm. um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, my wife, uh, in a <laughs> conversation that we were having, um, she was sharing some struggles and that kind of stuff, and got to a point that she called up a previous conversation from a few weeks earlier where I had voiced a concern in our relationship, she brought it up, she brought it up, and said, I'm moving us back toward this, and it's not what I want. I'm so sorry it's happening. I'm so sorry this other stuff is going on is bringing this stuff up. It's not right for you. It's not right for Julie, the only she, our adult daughters in our house. Um, I'm so sorry. and. Um, I, I want things to be different because I know it's wrong. Move me completely out of the wall. No greater love. Yeah. Praise God. Yay. Um, I remember a time when I think it was our it was our first week in this church. Hmm. And Leona and I had come from, we'd been in a desert place for a few years because after the last church we left, we were kind of done with church for a while. So, um, so we looked for a class 
to go to, and it happened to be the class that you, Andy, and Paulette were teaching. And um, we didn't know anybody. We felt, I felt very alienated here because um, there weren't very many of us at that time. And um, I remember coming up to you guys and you just accepted us. I had never felt anything like that in my life. And I remember you saying to me, Andy, could you kind of ask what we've gone through? And I think it was either at the end of that class or the very next class, you asked if anybody wanted to teach. And I came up to you and I said, I would like to teach. What was so important about that was you didn't know me from Adam. I could have gotten up there and all kind of heresy could have came out of my mouth. <laughs> but you loved you loved us enough to risk. Because you you lived out and living out what you believe about love. And for you to to risk that. Because I said that was a huge risk, especially from where we came from. Because where we came from, I could have been at that church 20 years and never been asked. But for you to do that completely changed, completely changed the way that I saw my own life and everything that I knew about Christ. Because from where I came from, love like that didn't exist. And you don't love people like that. And so that one act took, set the course of our life from here to here. That one act of kindness and being willing for the both of you to risk doing that for us. I'll never forget that. What Joe said is like we met up with Clinton Street. That was nine or ten years by the way. The people in Clinton Street are so authentic. Yes. And they spoke to a lot of the hurts and the pains that we were going through. That the love that was poured into us was just instrumental in our growth. Love people that you know learned how to love through that also. And, and really did a lot of healing. Amen. Well, I need to add to that because before we came here, we were involved in Christian When we came here, this group, this specific group of especially Marianne and Stuart, and the Nichols. And <laughs> just 
Sometimes you don't need the gospel. Are we all clear about that? That Second Corinthians, uh, Thessalonians two eight is really clear about that. So I've come to love you so much because I'm loving you. I'm going to share my life with you. That doesn't mean I'm saying anything. Then he says the audacity to say, but not the gospel only, because you've become so dear to us. In fact, there's there's scripture in Proverbs in a few places, so we can go down line by line. It's it's not wise to speak everything you know. So you might have like five verses. You can have five verses lined up, sister. I say them, and man, I feel great because I shared that with you. Right. Don't you feel better now? You know what it is? is, it's, is like, it's like, that's just, that's just like. That's, that's, beating them up with the word. That's that S word. T-U-P-I-D. T-U-P-I-D. <laughs> Yeah, just you know, sometimes. So praise God for that testimony. That's beautiful. That we celebrate. Be loved. Thank you. This one actually was the start of me coming back to church. She was actually just three years old when she told me, and I was in the lowest. I guess feeling wise towards God, I wasn't sure anymore. And she was three. I was having issues in the marriage and stuff. And one morning she just told me, Mom, God told me we need to go to church. Hmm. I never told her what church was. All we did was say prayers. She never went to a church. Because of that, three years later, is when I met Sweet Sue. Huh. And that set up the course for me just feeling that love again. And between the three of them, has really just brought me back and grow as a relationship instead of having a religion, which is the biggest thing. Amen. Wow, that's a fabulous testimony. We're the lamb, we're our testimony, right? We're going to wrap up uh, to honor time here. Um, It's a very intimate moment. This is what love does. Love gives you permission to share 
what you, who you are in the moment, what you're going through without a bunch of stuff attached. Maybe just silence. Love does what? Sacrifices, gives, gives, and not looking for any return. More concerned about your interest than ours. Stop. Philippians 2. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you get it. It's pretty clear that you get it, you know. So so I in this where we started, um, you know, thinking about that that Samaritan guy, the hated Samaritan, and he loved anyway. The Jews didn't they hate the Samaritans? Mm -hmm. And he loved that guy and sacrificed his life. And we don't we you know we don't know all of it, and we don't know Jesus's full intention. We never will. Um, but wow, to give myself and just to give myself. And wow, when am I the Pharisee? Mm -hmm. You know, when, what's going on with me? If I'm acting like a Pharisee and I'm distancing myself, avoiding, what's going on? And, and uh, pretending, performing, what's really going on with me? There's probably, go back to the alone piece, lonely, of the alone heart, of the hurting heart. And we need to be, everybody in here is talking the good testimony or not so good. It all has to do with community, people in our life, authentic people in our life, one way or another, or not so authentic. So, so I want to encourage you to evaluate yourself in light of Scripture, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, and look in the mirror. Where are you, the Pharisee? Where's your fear? What kind of altar you've been walking around with, attached to, that doesn't allow you to love, especially hard to love? I'm not saying agreement. Saying love, and and wow, and we're wow, we're yet in loving others well. And where are you receiving love? Chances are, if you push, go back to Paulette's testimony. If you're pushing a bit against love, you're kind of you're not reaching out. You got an identity problem, and I'm not talking about doing doing a buying a new book. I'm talking about experiencing the love of our Jesus, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, our Heavenly Father who's got you. Got it all. Okay. I think we're done for now. So there you go. Blessings on you guys. So we're going to pray. We've just been encouraged to pray. So you want to pray? And I'll pray? Or do you want me to pray first and then you I'll pray? pray first. You want to pray first? All right. Lord, thank you for your presence here today, Lord God. Thank you for your word that's been poured out, Lord God, and I thank you for each heart that's here, Lord God. Help it to really, truly understand how much they are loved completely by you. Each one of us in here are your favorites. And help us to recognize that, to know that you dance and sing over us, Lord God. You are pleased with us no matter what we do. We are fully loved no matter what. You loved me before I even know, knew you, you loved me. Um, and it didn't matter that I was a mess. <laughs> you loved me and helped me to walk through it. And I thank you for that. Yes, Father, open our eyes. Help us to see. Help us to see you first and foremost and how you love. And what your love really is and what it really costs. And that our hearts are broken for how much you truly love us, Lord. 
We couldn't contain all the love that you've poured onto this planet, Lord God, even if we tried. We just couldn't. But you love us right where we're at. You know what we need. You know how to speak to us. So I pray we all continue to experience your love just as we are, based on your word, based on community, because you say that's the way to do it. Lord God, Holy Spirit speaking to us, our listening to your whisper during quiet times that we are quiet with you and don't say a word, so we just hear your love. We literally are a young Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servants listening, that we hear your whisper and your love. And Father, I pray we will examine our hearts where we're having struggle, receiving love, therefore perhaps giving love. We have a hard time receiving you for whatever reason in certain areas of our life. So we have a hard time giving love. So help us to see where we might be that, that, that afraid Pharisee, that scared man in that story, full of fear, and didn't even look like it because he had all the authority and the control. But Lord, help us to identify when we're trying to be in control and how we need to get back to your altar and experience your love. Lord, and demolish those old altars. Lord, help us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the spirit of unity in this place and incredible love and care. Uh, amazing to me in my heart. So thank you. Thank you for incredible brothers and sisters who understand your love. Lord God, and understand where they've been. Courageous bunch, a brave bunch, Lord God. And we thank you for that. And thank you for the leaders. Thank you for the leaders in this church pastors to the, the deacons and deaconesses. Lord God, that you minister and give them wisdom to lead well with your love. In Christ's name, amen. amen. All right. God bless everybody.